Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture?
Welcome to this series called Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. It's under our Curious Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is J-A-E-F.foundation. I'm excited about this series. We are going to be talking about probably two of the most important unseen realms, and yet they are the focal point of our being and existence. And we are going to explore how these two unseen realms affect each other to move the things that we see with our natural eyes. I think this is going to be epic. The first one is the quantum faith realm, a conduit for the spirit realm. The second is the quantum physics realm. Now, we're all familiar with the word physics, and I'm going to assume that at some point during your school life, you studied about physics. Now, lucky for you, there won't be any take-home assignments after listening to this podcast. Anyways, we all know that our natural world, or this physical world that we live in, is governed by natural law. That is, laws of physics. Like the law of gravity, or the law of lift that enables you to fly across the world, and so forth. Now, there is an interesting subject within physics that has emerged. It's called quantum physics or quantum mechanics. And it has turned the whole physics world on its head. It has turned the whole physics world upside down. Why is that so? Because it operates contrary to the laws of classical physics that we have grown accustomed to. What makes quantum physics really interesting is that it operates very similar to how things operate in the spirit realm, that is, in the kingdom of God. What do we know? Turns out Jesus' miracles, such as walking on water, weren't just myths and fables. So we are going to explore these two realms and see how they feed off of each other because our lives are directly affected by each one of them. Now, if you've listened to one of our series called Science is God's Playground, you've probably heard me make this statement. There are two realms, the spirit realm and the natural realm. The spirit realm is cause and the natural realm is effects, hence cause and effects. So in this series, we are going to connect the main force in the spirit realm called faith or quantum faith and its cousin from the unseen physics world called quantum or quantum physics. This will show us how this notion of cause and effects comes into play, how the physical world runs on top of the spirit realm and how they are always constantly interacting with each other. We're talking about something you can't possibly see, but it is what makes up everything in the universe. I mean, can you explain photons to me? Do you see photons in the room? Do you see photons when you go outside? Those are subatomic particles of light. And yet these things are at every
everyday life in sunlight, everything we see that's light is made up of the quantum realm. And when you look at a table and it looks solid, you're gonna put a book on it or your cup of coffee on it, it looks solid, but it's really not solid. There's space between the atoms. There's space between the, the nucleus of the atom and the electrons. So if you could really see on the quantum level, you would see that that table is not at all solid. And secondly, and most exciting, is you would see that it's moving. That table is not sitting still. It's moving. There's a vibration of particles, and that is the quantum world, and we interact with it every day. Well, everything God created is full of life. Everything God created is full of life. How could he create anything that is not full of life? So just as I talked about the tabletop, if you could see on the quantum level, it's not dead, it's not static, there's a vibrating frequency there, there's movement, there's life there. And so here we are, we're alive, I think you'd acknowledge that, and we are interacting with everything in this world that is also alive. It is full of life. And so our relationship with all the things in the world that are alive are determined by what we say about it, what we think about it, our perception of it. And so we are life interacting with all of God's creation that's full of life. There's a parallel plane in the realm of the spirit. The spirit world is the unseen world, what we can't see. And yet everything we do see was created from the unseen realm. There was nothing seen when God said, let there be light. There was nothing, there was not light. God is a spirit. So he spoke spirit words and spirit words created matter. It formed the world, it formed the hills, the mountains, it formed everything we see here in life. All matter is created by the spirit realm. And in the realm of the spirit, you know, we, we talk about angels, we can't see them. And yet in a parallel plane, they are there, they are operating. In one famous incident in the Old Testament, the prophet asked that the eyes of his servant be opened. And he saw that there were horses and chariots and angels everywhere. So if our eyes were open right now, we could see in the realm of the spirit and see angels and spirit beings, horses, whatever that God has created there. And yet we can't see it with our physical eye. The spirit realm operates on a different frequency. And we have no instrument in our physical body to see into that realm unless God opens our eyes through a gift of the Spirit. And then we're enabled to see into that invisible realm that is real, exists, and guess what? The Spirit realm will never perish, it will never die. God created man and woman, and what? In His image and in His likeness to do what? to have authority over the earth, to have dominion over the earth, to rule and reign, how? In the same way God created it, through their words.
you for tuning in to the pre-show. Welcome back to episode six of Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. In our last episode, we talked about how Jesus gave us a way out of the classical realm. And we are defining the classical realm as the realm of finite possibilities versus the quantum realm, which is a realm of all possibilities, the realm of infinite possibilities. And we got this insight from Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where he preached about the Beatitudes. Now, before we recap the Beatitudes, some other key points from our last episode, one of the key points from our last episode was that God is in the business of saving souls. So he didn't send his son Jesus to teach us physics, science, and medicine. No. It's not, we also say it's not that Jesus also wasn't knowledgeable about physics, science, or medicine. Because the scripture tells us otherwise. The scripture tells us that God the Father created the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. But there was a more pressing need. There was, so to say, an urgent recourse that needed to happen when the fall of mankind happened back in in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden. And then we also say uh, this happened because the person that corrupted Adam and Eve, who basically caused the fall of man, was Satan, who was formerly Lucifer, and he was one of the three archangels of God, and he tried to start a coup in heaven and he was kicked out. So he came down here on the planet and he corrupted mankind. So we also say that since the flesh of man had been corrupted more than once, you see, in the, when you read Genesis chapter 1 and then Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and then chapter 1, Verse 2, in chapter 1, verse 1, it reads and says, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, then verse 2, it says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, I believe, so as do a lot of people, if you really look through scripture, uh, in some other places, there is what some people call the gap theory. So between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and then in verse 2 where it says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, there is eons and eons of time in between Genesis chapter 1, 1, and Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, these eons of time. In fact, you can tell when you read in Revelations, in, in the book of Revelation, where it talks about when Satan was kicked out of heaven, 
and him and a third of the of the angels were, were kicked out of heaven, you know that that happened prior to the Garden of Eden being created. So back the eons of time that the, the Bible doesn't talk about, you see the, the history of the Bible from when the, the these, these events are written, from, from when Genesis 1-1, from when the first record of the book of Genesis was written up to now is, you know, just under 12,000 years. It's about 10,000 something years. But that doesn't mean that the, that doesn't mean that what the Bible is saying that this planet has only existed for 10,000 years, because that often, that often contradicts when you hear scientists saying that, um, the fossil record shows that our planet has existed for billions and billions of years. You know, I think the common number, the most popular or common number out there is probably, I think 13 billion years. You see, a lot of people misinterpret the Bible because they're just not knowledgeable. They don't know how to read it. You see, when you read the scripture and it says, in the beginning was this, and then it says, and then this happened. No, if, if, if the Bible covered the whole historical record of humanity over 13 billion years, whatever that most accurate number is, we would not even be able to read it. This book would be so big we would not be able to read it. So there's a gap theory, which means that in between when it says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then in verse two, when it says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There's eons of time in between there. So the first time that man is corrupted, that God's creation is corrupted is actually not with Adam and Eve. That is a second corruption that happens. There's a, there's a corruption that happens when Satan is kicked out of, of heaven and his angels, when you read in the book of Revelation, it talks about the war to the inhabitants of the earth. It's basically, it's, it's, it's almost saying like, oh, the inhabitants of the earth at the time, it's saying that war to you because the dragon uh, the, the serpent, you know, he's talking about Satan has been kicked out of heaven onto the earth. And then in other parts of scripture in, in Ezekiel, it talks about how the planet was beautiful. Even back then, before uh, the, the book of Genesis, when you read in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then verse two, the creation story that you read in Genesis chapter one is actually not the first creation story. That is more like a refurbishment because you can read and see that um, when you start to see there's a lot of chaos that has already happened. So God is coming back and saying, okay, there's waters, there's nothing. And also, if you look at the terminology that God uses after he creates humankind, I mean mankind, first of all, he says, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. Why would someone tell you to replenish something that has never existed? 
you don't tell someone go replenish my coffee when you didn't have a cup of coffee before. Do you see? Do you see what I mean? No. When God said, God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That also is another confirmation that some there was another destruction that had happened on the planet. It was a flood. It was a flood that wiped out the first creation. That first creation is what Satan corrupted the first time when he when he had been kicked out. Now, I need to make something clear as well for, for a lot of people who may not know this. The fossil record doesn't lie. It's just that scientists don't know how to interpret it. When, when you hear scientists portraying or uh, geo, no, how would you call them? Uh, the, the term has skipped my mind. Basically, the, the, the fossil record, archaeologists, when they try to show how mankind, they think mankind evolved because they show him as a, as a chimpanzee, then kind of moving from a chimpanzee into like, a weird looking kind of like chimpanzee half 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 man half chimpanzee uh, and then evolves into like a full human being what they don't understand is the the first creatures that were created by god were not created in his own image we are the human species that we see right now we are the most beautiful thing that uh god has ever created because when, 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 when Satan was kicked out of heaven, the inhabitants of the earth at that time, they were a different species from us. So when the fossil record picks up on a weird looking figure, it's correct. Because the scripture also says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That also tells me that the first creatures that were created were not created in God's image and likeness. So those those weirdly looking things that look like it's half man, half chimpanzee, or yeah, that was the type of creation that existed that Satan corrupted the first time. In fact, somewhere in, in, in Ezekiel, Oh man, this is a very this is getting into some really really good stuff. In Ezekiel chapter Yes. In Ezekiel chapter 28, it talks about how Satan existed in the beautiful garden of Eden before Adam and Eve, he existed there and then he corrupted it. Uh, this is what it says. Let me see if I can pick it up here. It says, this is Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thou says the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sun, full of wisdom and perfect in thy beauty. So it's talking about Satan. He was created full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Again, for people who have never read the Bible, bear with me. I'm decoding. There's a lot of stuff that I, I'm just kind of uh, 
extracting the 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 the, the what what the scripture is saying. But listen to this. It says, "You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the burial, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee, in you." In the day that you were created so here we have a confirmation he was lucifer he was beautiful perfect in his beauty and he was in the garden of eden it also says that um it, it says it, it goes on to say you were perfect in your uh you were perfect in your ways from the day that I was created until iniquity was found in you. So pride came up in Satan and he tried to throw a coop. Now, it goes on somewhere down here to also talk about, uh, it says, I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings and may, may behold thee. But somewhere, I think, I think it's probably in Isaiah. I'll have to find this again. I'm, I, I'm not looking um this wasn't part of the the script but let's let's find it because it tells us exactly that satan existed he was he was he was on this planet when he was kicked out it was a good planet but he messed it up bear with me here for a second i'm trying to find it it was a good planet and Satan messed it up. So he was kicked out, brought into the garden, and then he corrupted it. Now, when he did that, God had to deal with him. God, I mean, God had to deal with that first creation. Basically, there was a flood that he used to wipe it out. So Noah's flood is not the first flood. There was a flood that happened. That's why it also says that the earth was, the, the waters were on the face of the deep. So what we read in Genesis chapter one is a recreation, is almost like a refurbishment. It's not the first creation. It's a refurbishment. Okay, here. This is in Isaiah chapter 14. It tells us about how what what happened in the beginning it says uh it talks about they shall all speak and say unto thee unto satan before he was lucifer art thou also become weak like we are art thou become like unto us your pomp is brought down to the grave and your noise and the noise of your vials the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt, exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. So it's talking about basically, uh-huh. This is where you know that the first, this earth, this planet was a refurbishment. What we read in Genesis chapter one, when it talks about in the beginning, God created this. But, but in, yes, it's true. In the beginning, there was, there was a beginning. When it says in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. But remember, I say that's verse one. Then I say these eons of time between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, and the earth was without form and void. In between there, there was eons of time. And in those eons of time is when Satan had been kicked out of heaven. There was a good planet at that time, the heaven and the earth. But Satan came down when he was kicked out of heaven, corrupted it. So, and the, the, the species that existed at that time, I just say they were not created in God's own image. But here's how we know that there was corruption. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 17, it says, You made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. So they were, my goodness, there were cities that actually existed. But he made it as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. He says, all the kings of nations, even all of them lie in glory, everyone in his own, in his own house. Anyways, it goes down. It's very interesting. Uh, it just goes down to talk about that, that the, the, the chaos that Satan ended up causing. And let me see if I can find it back in, in Ezekiel, where it talks about it clearly. Bear with me. Bear with me. So it's, it's very interesting. It's 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 very 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 interesting stuff that we're seeing here. Uh, where is it? Bear with me. Bear with me. Yes, here. It talks about. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Anyway, so we know how Satan was created, and. Um, anyway, so we know that in from, from Isaiah, we can when, when, when you read through it, it, will, it says there, as I was saying, you made the world a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. So we're talking about the corruption that happened, and I'm saying that the, the Bible people who interpret and saying just yes, because the record that we have of the first words. Of Genesis saying in the beginning from the time the Bible was written after now is about 10,000 years. It doesn't mean that our existence on this planet has only been for 10,000 years. No, there is eons of time. There's, there's history that we don't know about. Man did not evolve, but it's true. The first species that existed that looked like man were not created in God's own image. So we are lucky that we were created in God's own image, basically the crown jewel of creation. 
And as I said, why would God use the words replenish the earth? You can't replenish something that didn't exist before. Do you see my point? So when this corruption happened, as we're saying, it's not because there was an, there was an urgent recourse that needed to happen when the fall of man happened. So we say God is not in the dark. So God had an urgent kind of backup plan that he needed to put in motion. So when he sent Jesus, he did not send him to teach us physics, science, and, and math or medicine. So we say that because based on the things I've just discussed, we can see that there had been a corruption of mankind before. The flesh of man had been corrupted more than once. The only way God could bypass this was by giving human beings a born-again spirit. The only way to access the realm of all possibilities, which is the spirit realm, is by the born-again spirit, which you get access to when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the only passcode that you need to access that realm. The spirit realm has been sealed off by God. That, that is the, 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 the good, positive spirit realm. There is an evil spirit realm, which Satan rules as well, because Satan's also a spiritual being and, and devils and spirits and all of that stuff. There is an evil, an evil uh, spirit realm. But that spirit realm is not also the realm of all possibilities. No, no, no. It's God's spirit realm, the, the good one. That's a realm of, of, all, of all possibilities that can triumph over classical possibilities. So we say the born again spirit is how you get access. The passcode you need is Jesus accepting him as your Lord and Savior. So it's not about your sins. It's about your sin nature. Your innate corrupted nature, your, your, your corrupted flesh can't access that realm of all possibilities. So there was like a spiritual cleansing. There is a spiritual cleansing that must happen. And the scripture says when you receive Jesus in your heart, you become born again with an incorruptible spirit. Again, there's a lot of reasons what, that we can look and say, why is it something that happens by faith? Because... It can't happen any other way because any other way could can easily be corrupted. You can't be born again by being by going back into your mother's womb to be born again. Or no, you don't do that. So right now, the interim solution, the well, is your, your spirit is sealed off. Right now, when you become born again, your spirit is sealed off. Your body, which is your flesh, can still be corrupted by sickness, disease, and but there's a point in heaven. The scripture talks about when you finally, when you die, and remember in one of the episodes, say when you die is just when your spirit leaves your earth suit. When you go to space, you need a space suit. We send these astronauts to space, and they have to wear a space suit that enables them to function. In, in space. Likewise, spirits, human beings who are spirit, they need an earth suit, this, this body, to function in this planet. So when you die or when you pass on, that's not the end of life. That's just when your spirit departs from your earth suit. It wears what is called a glorious body. 
so so then your incorruptible spirit wears an incorruptible human body it's not it's, it's designed differently again i'm getting into some stuff here that you're probably like my goodness what is happening here but if you're not a christian or if you're not a believer and you've never heard of these things the scriptures talk about all of these things so when you die when you pass on your spirit leaves your earth suit your body it, it it's it then wears um an incorruptible glorious body and in that incorruptible glorious body there's no limitations in fact the scripture talks about when jesus died and he and he was brought back from the dead he he had to his body was transformed into that glorious body the glorious body is not limited to classical physics it, in fact, it talks about when Jesus resurrected from the dead that he would walk through walls, but at the same time, he would still eat fish and honeycomb with, with the disciples. So you can see that eventually we are going to evolve all people who talk about evolution. How about this? Human beings are going to evolve from this form of a corruptible body that can become sick, that can't walk on water unless you tap into quantum realm quantum physics eventually you are going to be clothed on with an incorruptible body a glorious body that can just be in multiple places at the same time it can transition move probably faster than the speed of light actually uh, yeah move at the speed of light because his god is light so you can move at the speed of light and that glorious body is incorruptible. So when you have your, when you finally have your incorruptible body, Satan by that time will be locked away and in the pits of hell. That's basically, uh, that's kind of talking about revelation and now the end of the world. But then think about it again, just as a preview. I don't know why this, this, this episode is kind of turned into this, but when the, there's nothing like the end Yes, and we'll talk about the uh, Armageddon, the end of the world. Yes, there will be an end to this planet. There, it, it is coming. But Revelation talks about a new heaven and earth. So the people basically who will have basically accepted to live with God the Father, that's why I say this thing is not about your sins. It's about you taking off your sin nature and, and being born again. The people who will basically live in heaven, God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. In the new heaven and the new earth, we shall be living in a new heaven and a new earth with our incorruptible bodies and incorruptible spirits. In the new heaven and new earth, it's in Revelation. It says there won't be any sickness. There's no disease. There is no pain. So at the end of this planet and earth um, age that we live in, you know, when Jesus returns, we, life is going to continue. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. It talks about, uh, this is in Revelation. It says, and he that sat upon the throne is revelation chapter 1 verse 25 
say, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, write, write these words, for they are true and faithful. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He talks about um, uh, somewhere, somewhere here. It talks about it, uh, the new heaven and new earth. Yeah. So it talks about the new heaven and new earth in Revelation chapter 21 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So it, it tells you there, right, right there. And then in, in verse, Revelation 21, verse 4, it talks about God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That's awesome. Hold the thought. Sela. Welcome back to episode six of Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. Welcome back from that break. We are just picking up right from where we left off. We are talking about, we, in the last episode, we were, in the last segment, we were talking about basically at the beginning of creation and and we talked about so many things so we went to the beginning the creation story and, and talked about how these eons of time between genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and genesis chapter 1 verse 2 and i say uh, we also talked about satan who was lucifer who was uh, kicked out of heaven we, we reviewed that that there was a population of people that existed on the planet that was wiped away by the flood because they were corrupted by Satan. And again, we, we, we saw scriptures telling us that. And all this to say that the human flesh was always being corrupted. From the moment Satan was, was kicked out of heaven, he was still able to corrupt the human flesh. And the corrupted human flesh wouldn't be able to basically perfectly access the realm of all possibilities. Then I first forwarded and give an example and say that even when Jesus resurrected from the dead, his body was transitioned into what is called a glorious body. It's an immortal body. And this body can move at the speed of light because the scripture says that God is light. So this glorious body that people will eventually get to where again this is after this age of this current heaven and earth passes away after the the lord jesus comes back then there is a next phase of our existence which in that next phase of our existence we are living in a new heaven and a new earth where there's no corruption, there's no sickness, there's no death. We become immortal. And we are able to access all the, the full range of the realm of, of all possibilities because our bodies and our spirits will be incorruptible. 
right now, when you use the passcode Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, basically to receive the Jesus upgrade of a, of a born again spirit so that you can tap into, you can live outside classical physics or live outside classical medicine limitations, your flesh is still corruptible. That's why it's still a challenge for people to do some of the miracles that Jesus did, such as walking on water, because in our minds, we don't think that's possible because our minds from the day that we are born are basically fine-tuned to classical laws of physics. We, we're, our bodies are, are, are tuned or are, they are tuned to classical medicine, laws of classical medicine. That's why when Jesus came, he's able to perform miracles. And now I know in scripture it says that he's given us the ability to, to duplicate those miracles. But the reason we aren't able to do those things that Jesus did and why it makes it seem like he, the one thing that scripture says is that Jesus did not operate as a God when he was walking on this planet. It, it says he had to empty himself of his divine capabilities. So he was not omnipotent. He was not omniscient. He could not be everywhere at the same time. He did not know all things. But he he still had knowledge. His, his spirit had knowledge of the quantum realm. His spirit knew that a man could walk on water. So for him, he could do that because in his mind, he through his mind and belief and the power of, of, of faith and belief, which we talked about and said, how does the placebo effect work? How does someone get healed from basically a drug that has been that that is that is not the actual drug, but it's just maybe some white substance put in there, and then they tell them this is the cure for for this is a new cure for the thing you're suffering from, and then the placebo effect kicks into effect, and this person basically is healed. How does the placebo effect work? It works by faith. It works by belief that I am going to be healed by the substance that I'm taking. So Jesus was able to enter the realm, this realm of possibility that you can walk on water and supersede classical laws of physics because he had knowledge of the quantum laws. So when we're talking about the corruption that happened to mankind and why it was just inevitable that God was just like, okay, I'm just going to give him access to the spirit realm my spirit realm, which is a realm of all possibilities, but in order for them to access it, they're going to have to access it with a, with a born-again spirit, basically. I know it, sounds, it might sound confusing, but um, you are a three-part being. The only reason that you are able to enter into the, the quantum realm of faith or quantum realm of physics, so to say, and walk on water, whatever, you are a three-part being. You are a spirit, soul, and body. 
again, remember I was saying that if you if you die, if you leave this planet, uh, you don't cease to exist. Spirits don't die. Bodies can die. Spirits don't cease to exist. You are a spirit, soul, and body, these three parts of you. You are a spirit being who has a soul and lives in a body. So when you die, when your spirit leaves your body, you basically, it, your spirit has just left its earth suit the same way that um, astronauts need to wear a space suit to go to space. Likewise, spirit beings released into the universe by God. The scripture says, God, who is the father of all spirits. Every spirit being was created by God because God is the spirit. And the, it says he is the father of spirits. So when he releases a spirit, that spirit needs to enter into flesh, human body, to start existing. And which is also very interesting is I've heard of so many stories. I mean, I've probably seen videos as well is sickness and disease is there's a spirit behind sickness and disease there's so many times the scripture says god healed all that was sick jesus laid hands on all of them and healed them and he delivered them from the oppression of spirits it's almost like when jesus when, when these miracles were happening the reason they were happening is because the spirits that were behind these diseases these tumors these broken limbs, all this, all the, all the incorruptibleness of the human body. Jesus knew what was the thing causing sickness. It was a spirit. It's, it's, it's an evil spirit. It's a spirit of sickness that causes that sickness. In fact, why would you? How would you explain? I've had this so many. I've, I've heard about this so many times where they, they're performing surgery on someone. And I say they take out that tumor, they put it on the table, and that thing still has life. It has tentacles, and, and that thing, it's almost like it's, it's got its own heartbeat. Why? It's a spirit. That, that, that tumor um, is receiving life because of a spirit, a spirit that enters a certain part of your body and, and, and gives life in this case, immoral life to, to, to the cells around that body. It causes this thing to grow. But how do you explain when a tumor is taken out of a person, all this thing, this growth, that when they put it on the table, this thing can still beat. Like you can see the thing basically uh, moving. It's because that thing had a life. Something else was giving it life. So when Jesus came, he was casting out the spirits inside people. It says the people who were oppressed with sickness and disease. So Jesus had a different mentality. You see, in natural classical medicine, we look at sickness and disease as there's no spiritual attachment behind it, which is very wrong. It's inaccurate. Why would the scripture so many times just keep on talking about Jesus casting out disease and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He, he knew 
He knew where sickness and disease came from. The only reason why there can be no sickness in the new heaven and the new earth is simply because the spirits behind sickness and disease won't be there. They're cast out from heaven and earth. That's why heaven is able to, to be um, such a place where there's no sickness, there's no disease, there is no pain. Every time you read in the scripture about healing, there's always an attachment to the devil. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So you can interpret to say he went about healing all that had these spirits inside them that were causing the sicknesses and oppressions. The same thing applies to mental health. It becomes a spirit attaches behind that. Things have spirits, habits have spirits. Being addicted, there's a, there's a spirit behind everything. And we're going to just jump into the power of words. Uh, it was supposed to be episode, uh, this whole episode uh, was supposed to be, was supposed to get, get into uh, the power of words to really show you how uh, words cause things to leave, things to move. Words affect physical matter. But what I'm trying to say is mental health. There's a spirit behind it. The, this world, we live in a cause and effects realm. When you see, you know, a lot of oppression that we see people dealing with mental health issues, um, addictions. There's a spirit behind drug addiction. There's no other way that you can explain how you can be hooked to something. It, I mean, when you, when you start to use it and use it, eventually your body becomes familiar with that spirit that spirit starts to oppress you. It's almost like you, you, you open up your flesh to that evil spirit. The same way that people can be possessed by the devil is the same way people can be possessed by God in a good way. This thing is, a, the, the spirit realm is insane. It is something like, it's bigger than the physical realm. There is more activity in the spirit realm than than, it, that, than we see in the in the natural realm, this physical realm. There is the, one of the wisest people who lived according to scripture, Solomon, King Solomon said, there is nothing new underneath the sun. The scripture says God's thoughts are infinite. So there is no thought, there is no new technology invented in this physical realm that has never existed as an idea in the spirit realm. Basically, what we do is we download. We download. The question that one of the interesting things that I that was really very interesting to me was think about Adam. And it says when God created all the animals, it says he brought them to Adam and whatever he named them they became. 
it's in Genesis chapter 2. It says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. And then it continues. Where do you think Adam, who had been created, who had just been created, he had never studied nomenclature, he'd never studied species or whatever, where do you think Adam got the names? He downloaded. The names were down. There was a database. Oh, this is really awesome. There's another series um, that we're going to be launching where we talk about, uh, I think it's called Science is God's Playground. Anyways, Adam, how, man, that would be like, where, how, where did Adam even, how did Adam know about the names? How did he know to say, oh, this is a lion, this is a dog, this is an elephant, this is an eagle, this is an octopus, this is a giraffe. How, how did he know about something he had never known? How did those thoughts come across? You see, thoughts are spiritual. They existed. Adam downloaded. You see, Adam's spirit before the fall of man was incorruptible. Scripture says he, he, he walked with God. He was in communion with God. He basically had God's thoughts. Adam had never had really any independent thoughts until the fall of man when he now got to know about good and evil. So everything that Adam was thinking was what was he was basically sharing consciousness with God. So when scientists are trying to build consciousness and trying to basically have machines have consciousness with human beings, um, is that something that has happened before? Yes, Adam shared, had perfect consciousness with God. He was thinking God's thoughts. The only thoughts that Adam had been exposed to or the only kind of thinking that Adam was exposed to when he was created was the thoughts of God. That's all he knew. Whatever God knew, Adam knew to a certain degree. But the only access that he had to was God's thoughts. So when Adam went around calling this, let this, let, let uh, the animal, your lion, animal, your dog, I mean, animal, your elephant, animal, your this and that, he was downloading into his spirit. Those thoughts, those names already existed in heaven's database. And he was just downloading into his spirit. So I'm telling you that spirits are what give power to, to, to things. So knowing then all of this, It's like God had to recourse and say, okay, the flesh will always get corrupted. And I'm tired of wiping out humanity because he did it twice. He did it the first time when Satan was kicked out of heaven. As I said, that, that creation of species that um, archaeologists think as half man, half chimpanzee or weird looking creatures, that species was created by God, but Satan corrupted it and God wiped it out in a flood. Noah's flood was the second flood. 
And that one was after sin had abounded and basically the spirits that had been, think about this. The scripture says the spirits that were kicked out of heaven, the, the angels that left heaven with Satan, who was Lucifer, when they came onto the earth, these spirits started having sexual intercourse with women. And that's how giants came about on this planet. Yes, giants have walked the surface of this planet. Because these, these angelic beings exchanged, added their DNA to human DNA as well. So God is saying, my goodness, spirits are corrupting humankind. So when God sends the flood during Noah's time, what we commonly refer to as Noah's flood, this was like the second time he's had, he had to wipe out the human race. And it was either he wipes out everybody or he saved Noah and his family, who were basically the family that hadn't yet been corrupted. Uh, the spirits had started having sexual relations with women, and these women gave birth to giants. And if I could say somewhere in, in one of the scriptures, it says that these spirits were then locked up. These spirits that were starting to have intercourse with women and, 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 and basically alternating, altering the DNA of the human species, they're locked away somewhere in hell waiting for the day of judgment. So for me, like these things make sense. Like, 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 uh, it's not difficult for me to juggle back and forth, and and, and in one my in, in one second um, I'm thinking scientific or whatever, and then the other end I cross back into the spirit realm and think along those lines because it makes perfect sense. So when God is seeing all of this, He's saying, "Okay, creation is being corrupted. I need a permanent solution." He says, "Let me give them access." with a born again spirit. And through this, they can bypass the classical realm. So when Jesus comes, he came to preach the gospel. The gospel was the good news, but it has been messed up by religion, thinking Jesus came to preach condemnation and sin and you're going to hell. No, understand, like put religion aside. Listen to me. The gospel means the too good to be true news. And Jesus was talking about it in his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. The gospel is the good news. Jesus was coming to tell us that, guys, I have good news. God the Father has opened up access to the realm of all possibilities. He's created a way for you to access that realm through a spirit. Now, it's also very interesting that in the Old Testament, which is the Old Covenant, they didn't have born-again spirits, but they could perform certain exploits when the Spirit of God came upon them. And then they were able to do some magical things like um, basically like, you know, axe heads floating and, and some other miracles. But the gospel was Jesus saying, you do not have to be live under the limitations of classical physics, classical medicine. No, there's a way in which you can bypass all these classical realms and enter into the quantum realm. God the Father has given everybody access. So his famous Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, Jesus was basically trying to open our eyes. 
that we didn't have to be bound to the limitations of our flesh, our carnality, or all the, the laws of classical physics or classical medicine. These were these, this is this is a, a just a brief recap again of the Sermon on the Mount. This is from Matthew chapter five, verse three to eleven. He comes and says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness." for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And one of the things that I was saying was the Beatitudes have so many applications, but for the purpose of this discussion and the context of quantum faith meets quantum physics, Jesus was teaching us, he was telling us that, hey, I've come to show you an easy way out. I've come to make you aware of quantum physics because classical physics is limited. There is a realm of all possibilities. And here's how you can access it. God the Father has given humanity. He has given mankind access to it, to anyone. I mean, anyone can access it, and you can access it for free. Yes, you need a passcode, and the passcode is Jesus. But you can only access the realm of all possibilities, which is the spirit realm of God, by having a born-again spirit. And all you have to do is to just believe this, and you are in, and you get access. The realm of all possibilities isn't the physical world. No, it's the spiritual world. So it was inevitable for us human beings in our flesh to access the realm, that realm. We, because our flesh had been corrupted by Satan, we needed a new incorruptible spirit. Now, He's something that's probably going to just think about this. If walking on water is one of the possibilities in the quantum realm, why is it that we human beings, why is it that Jesus was able to do it and Peter did it for a few moments, but very few people, I don't, I've tried it, it's never worked for me yet, but we don't hear people walking on water these days. Why, why is that? You see, this universe is... Um, the realm of possibilities, of all possibilities, and, and uh, of limitations, and the realm of all possibilities, it comes down to your knowledge of what is possible in the realm of all possibilities. If you do not know that that possibility exists in that sea of possibilities you cannot have enough power by belief basically you cannot have enough placebo effect in you to walk on water so the reason is why even though i know that jesus walked in water and he said i can do it too because when jesus walked in water he didn't walk on water as a god 
he walked in on water just as a bare human being, as a man. Because the scripture says he had to empty himself of his divine abilities. You see, if Jesus had kept his divine abilities, he would not be, he would have no authority to judge human beings when it comes to righteousness and sin. He would have no right because how can you judge people and yet you are not playing at the same level? No, Jesus was playing at the same level as human beings. But he had knowledge of that realm, of that possibility in the realm of all possibilities. Now, when Adam and Eve were corrupted, it was more than their flesh being corrupted. Because the scripture says, God told them, don't eat all the fruit of, 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 of knowledge of good and evil. Because when you know about evil, it, 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 like, it corrupts your hardware. It corrupts your mental hardware. That you can't enter the realm of all possibility. You can't enter the realm of classic, of quantum faith unconsciously because you have knowledge of evil. You have knowledge that, hey, I can, yes, I could potentially walk on water or I could potentially walk on water and drown. So you knowing about that you could walk on water and drown as the knowledge of evil, it corrupts the full force that you can place in your placebo effect. Think about it this way. If, if, they're, if they're trying out new medication and then they have someone say, okay, listen, uh, here's new medication. Here's a tablet. The only reason the placebo effect is able to work to full capacity is because that person has full guarantee that it's the actual medicine. They don't know. They don't know that they're being duped. So when you don't have knowledge of the side effects or that it is not the actual drug, but it's the real drug and it's going to cure you, your belief causes that placebo effect to be stronger and to come into effect for that, for that to work. But if someone gave you a, a medicine and said, oh, try this, we're trying out a new medicine, it could be a placebo. I mean, they don't tell you that they're trying to, to test you, but they say, this is a new medication, uh, it could work or it might not work. You see, the moment they, inc they, they, they introduce that doubt, it affects the full force of fully believing that that, 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 that medication, which is just being tested with, to, with a placebo effect, that it, it will stop it from working. The placebo effect works because of your full assurance and guarantee that yes, this is the, this is the medication that has been built for my situation and it has the power to heal me. Do you understand? That it has the full power to heal me. So let's look at another example. So for Peter, to have seen, for Peter to have walked on water is because he saw another man operating in that realm of quantum physics. So he had full assurance that it will work because it was working for Jesus. So Peter went, he sees Jesus walking in the water and says, Master, if it be you, bid me to come on the water bid me to come to you. He says, if, if, he said, Jesus, if that's you, 
also tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. Now, Peter started to see that it was possible. He had no doubt because this was before he started to sink. Because he, he also entered the realm of what he saw that this possibility was possible. And he entered this realm of quantum mechanics. He started up, he put the possibility into motion and it crystallized the water for him and he was able to walk on it. But that's because in those split seconds, the knowledge of good, of, of good and evil, basically the knowledge of yes, it's possible. No, it's not possible had all been consolidated into it's possible because Jesus is doing it so I can do it. Do you see how, how, so the reasons why Satan caused, it's also very interesting. Why would Satan not even cause them to eat of the fruit of the tree of life that basically if Adam and Eve ate of the fruit from the tree of life, they would live forever in our incorruptible body. So the reason God sends them out of the Garden of Eden says, I have to just, I have to put move you guys out of the Garden of Eden, lest you eat of the fruit of the tree of life and you live forever. So God once again was saying, No, 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 no. I can't afford for you guys to live forever. I can't allow you to enter the realm of immortality with with mortal bodies. Your, your bodies have been corrupted. If you live forever and you cannot die, as in that means like your flesh cannot die, your bodies cannot die, It's you're not going to enjoy this. Imagine living for the rest of your life with a disease, like a cancer, and your skin's being eaten away, but there's nothing you can do, but you, 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 you're living forever. So God says, okay, no, 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 no. But it was interesting. Satan met them to eat of the fruit of good of knowledge knowledge about good and evil because he wanted them to come down into classical physics he wanted them to come down to a classical realm because the moment that they started to know that this is good and this is bad the the knowledge about what is bad and what is evil at that time started to corrupt their potential to fully walk in the quantum realm that's that's how this thing operates so um so so basically we're seeing why it was inevitable with all of this that when jesus came he was not teaching physics he was not teaching science he was not teaching medicine he was just showcasing and saying listen i know a way out of this just believe you know now, it's also interesting, uh, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. This was, this was the first beatitude that Jesus said. Now, as I said again, that he was saying by this, he was saying that, you, why are you blessed right now, even with your poor spirit? He was saying, because if you take the Jesus upgrade, if you get the born again spirit in you, then yours is the kingdom of heaven. He was not saying that because you're poor in spirit, you are blessed. No, saying that you are blessed if you're poor in spirit because you can receive a born-again spirit, an incorruptible spirit 
and then start accessing the realm of all possibilities. You can start to access quantum, um, quantum physics, quantum medicine. So he was saying that the kingdom of heaven is open access to everyone, even those who have a poor spirit, because through me, by faith, by belief in me, you will get a reborn spirit, you'll become rich in spirit, and once your spirit has been updated, think like a software program, once you get the latest Jesus upgrade, the incorruptible born-again spirit, you can now freely access the kingdom of heaven, which is a realm of all possibilities. And we also say it's not that Jesus was ignorant about all these other subject matter, but God's God is in the business of saving souls, which should by now be clear why, how can someone have so much knowledge and yet focus on one, on one side of things? Right now he's focused on saving souls, but that's why in Revelation, once that has been done and God has saved as much of humanity as he can, basically the people who pledge allegiance to say, I make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I want that born again spirit to live in heaven. You see, when the scripture talks about people going to hell, even in hell, they'll still be spirits, but just under torment. Do you see what I mean? Um... That's so you can even see from Revelation it says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. That shows you that at the end of this all, at the end of redemption, God goes back, okay, now I can do my initial plan again. He will create a new heaven and a new earth. He'll give his he'll give us uh an incorruptible body, a glorious body that moves at the speed of light, uh, with an incorruptible spirit. And the show will go on like it was supposed to be from the beginning. But from Colossians chapter 1, verse 25, he told us that Jesus had, why, why did, why can we, how was Jesus able to operate in the realm of quantum medicine or quantum physics? It's because the scripture says all things are created by God the Father through Jesus, the Son. And then what's also interesting, as we're saying, the reasons why Satan caused Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is because he wanted their knowledge to be corrupted with evil knowledge. Because Adam and Eve were operating in a realm of just good knowledge. They were just operating in a realm of positive of good they had their, their their mental facilities were not being corrupted by knowledge of evil so satan wanted to corrupt that but also when jesus came and colossians says that that he, paul says wherefore i am made a minister according to the dispensation of god which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of god then says, even the mystery which has been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Paul is saying, I've come to reveal this mystery that when you, have, when you get this born again spirit, you have a new hope of glory because you can enter into this realm. 
of all possibilities. You can start to operate in there. So again, you know, Jesus through the beatitude saying, blessed the point spirit for there's the kingdom of heaven. He was teaching and saying, if you can't afford the high and the high end medical care to get your diseases cured, come into the kingdom of heaven, embrace the principles of divine healing from my kingdom and you will have a way out of your health situation. Even if you can't af afford to pay for an expensive surgery. So again, this is again, some recap from the last episode. We're saying, we say that that's the angle that the Bible uses most times, especially the new covenant. The teachings of Jesus are all about this angle from this point of view of elevating your thinking and giving you access to supernatural, to the supernatural realm, the realm of endless possibilities. So when Jesus came and walked the earth, he, he came to make us aware of these possibilities. There is too much we do not know because we are coming from the origin of infinite wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. These mysteries of are, are within us. Our spirit, these are mysteries that are exist currently, but we cannot enter into them unless we know that they do exist. So as I was saying, Peter enters into the realm of quantum mechanics, quantum physics to walk on water because he got knowledge that that was a possibility accessible to him. So, you know, Jesus and God, the Father, basically say, teach them the basics, and the basic is this. Believe and you shall be saved. Believe first, ask questions later. Believe first. Get in, come, in, come on in, enter this realm. And then once you're on the inside, you can ask all the questions you want to ask and we will answer them. It's not that God doesn't want to answer our questions or is intimidated that he, that he won't answer them or that he can't. No. There's, there's, a, there's an urgency to say, son, first come in. Come into this realm, enter this possibility, come and enter into this possibility first. And then all the questions that you need to, add to, to, to understand how this thing works, you get to understand them when you are on the inside. And I use an example and I said, if you see someone in the middle of the road about to get run over, you don't, you don't go to them and, and like, you don't go and say, hey, my name is so-and-so and I just wanted to tell you that a car is going to run you over. No, you don't do that. You just scream. You say, hey, get out of the way. The car is coming. And then after they're out of the way, and then they come and say, hey, thank you for saving my life. Then you go, yes. And then they go, hey, what's your name? So that's that's the approach that God is using. And he's saying, hey, get out of the way. You're about to get run over. Coming to this realm of all possibilities. And then you can start asking all the questions. You know, why was I created like this? Why is this, this, and that? And the problem is that a lot of people want to get all their questions answered before they can enter the kingdom of heaven, before they can yield and, and say, okay, give me a new spirit. But the emphasis of the Bible and, and God's strategy is to get you to understand that there is a way out of physical oppression, classical limitations, and natural addictions. To understand that, hey, it's okay to have money, but don't let money have you because in the world in which you live, adopting that mindset can be futile because the realm of limited possibilities in which you live comes to an end. At, certain, at, at a certain point, 
and you do not want to spend 80 years chasing after money only to get it and then to learn that it doesn't make you happy. Again, this was a way out that Jesus was giving us. It's saying that, that money, which is a creation within the, within the realm of limited possibilities, cannot save, cannot solve all your problems. So the angle that the Bible uses is a higher level of learning. That's the approach. So the things that Jesus said and he, and he did, and they still sound lunatic and ludicrous to a lot of people today, and they sound like fairy tales and rara. And but as I said, scientists and physicists are now starting to be confounded because this new domain called quantum physics is confounding the principles of classical physics that we operate on. At the quantum level, things appear and disappear based on the intent of the observer. It's called the observer effect. Quantum physics is a realm of endless possibilities and we know that Jesus once, Jesus once said, to man it's impossible, but not to God. For with God, all things are possible. Why? Because he already knows that that possibility exists in the pool of endless possibilities. So we said, in simple words, I'll put it this way. Quantum physics is a realm of physics that you can only enter or access by faith or belief. S the same thing applies to quantum medicine. For you to be healed supernaturally of a headache, of a cancer, of a disease without getting surgery or medication, for you to enter that possibility, you can only do it by faith or belief. That's by understanding that, yes, that realm is possible for me to enter into. It exists. That's how you enter that realm. And then you, you capitalize on it. And then it starts to work. So the other thing we said, Jesus operated, operated in a realm of more possibilities than classical physics. And that you have to understand that if God's wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are infinite, then definitely there, there is a realm of physics which scientists have discovered and are now fascinated by that contains more possibilities than the classical realm of physics. You know, classical physics like laws of gravity existed when Jesus walked on the earth, but by the Spirit of God and by the absolute revelation and knowledge that it was possible to walk on water that this possibility existed in the sea, in the realm of endless possibilities, brought this one possibility of walking on water front and center and put it into application. Again, that's, that's just been fascinating. Um, I think it was very important for us to revisit some of these things. There, even for me, uh, the more that I look at them, the more they kind of crystallize in my mind. And I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Oh, now that really makes sense. So once again, thank you for tuning in and see you on the next episode. And once again, I'm excited. We are going to dive into now the power of words. Why words is almost like the key for us to enter this is, in that, is, is pretty much the main key 
uh, after faith, the next thing that we attach to faith is our words. Actually, we speak words, but the force of belief is attached to words. So we're going to talk about how words, our words, the things that we speak out of our mouths, they operate in different frequencies. And these frequencies basically, uh, if you speak something that is in the frequency of something negative, that's the realm of, that's the possibility that it pulls back to you. If you send out a word, if you vocalize something, if you speak something out of your mouth, if the frequency released from your mouth has a positive frequency, a positive signal, that's what it attracts. And we will talk about, you know, why things like, you know, speak it, claim it, you know, things like speak it into existence exist is because, yes, we, words affect physical matter. But in order to understand how could words have created a human being, uh, we have to first build, just like, you know, when they launch a new experiment, they always bring a theory and then they, they test it in, in what is called an ideal environment. So we are going to first put aside, someone who might say, yeah, how can you speak words and human beings come into existence and all of that. But let us first come all the way down into our universe right now and see, are we creating things with our words? You will be fascinated by some of the scenarios that we're going to be looking at. Thank you for tuning in and see you on the next episode. This was episode six of this series called Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. In the next episode, we'll continue building the relationship between quantum faith and quantum physics. We will explore the power of words. Do the words we speak have any impact on our surroundings? The Word of God says, In the beginning, God said, Let there be. But to better understand if this is even possible, we need to zoom into the micro-activities of our own daily lives. Your host for today was Calvin Kavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. And so when you're talking about the quantum realm, you're talking about the realm of all possibilities. The most important thing we can do is take the limits off of God. Unleash the power of God. Unleash the unlimited possibilities that are available that God's given us in His Word. We are building on a firm foundation that Jesus set for us and told us about. We have to act on what we know and we absolutely have to be open to new things, new ideas, and listening to the infinite possibilities the Holy Spirit gives us. So we choose what we create. And now, what do we do? Do we speak God's Word? What do we say? We face those choices every day in our life. What are we going to say?
Just grab, right just grab. 